I want to take a minute to tell you about Federal Access. Federal Access is our coaching and training platform that we develop for government contractors. The resources in Federal Access have helped our clients win over $13.6 billion in government contracts. When you become a member, you're going to get access to hundreds of documents, templates, training videos, on-demand webinars, and you get SME support from me. So if you have a question, you can email me directly anytime. Here's a special offer for Game Changers listeners. Visit federal-access.com forward slash Game Changers today and get started for just $29. That's federal-access.com forward slash Game Changers to get started for just $29. Now let's get into this episode. Welcome to Game Changers for Government Contractors. Game Changers is dedicated to helping you position for and win more government contracts. And now your hosts, Josh and Mike. Hey everybody, Mike Lejeune here, and I will be your host today on Game Changers. And I want to get right into the show by welcoming or uh, re-welcoming a guest uh, that we had on a few months ago, Carol Bernard. Uh, Carol is the co-founder of Govology.com. Uh, Carol, for those who didn't get a chance to check out the last episode, please uh, go ahead and tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your company. Yeah, thanks, Michael, and thanks for having me again today. Uh, essentially, Govology uh, was developed to uh, help people access the specialized knowledge that they need to have in the government marketplace to help them succeed. Uh, we do webinars. We do. Uh, we have on-demand training uh, courses uh, available 24-7. Uh, we also have a, a directory of experts, so if they want to connect with folks like yourself and basically uh, have have an expert help them out uh, they have that option as well so uh, we've been building this and uh, we've got a really great community and it's growing right now so we'd love to you know have anybody uh, that wants to take advantage of some training or maybe connect with experts out there uh, be it a coach consultant attorney or somebody in the accounting field that specializes in government marketplace uh, we'll have that resource there available for small businesses yeah, that that's awesome. I mean, obviously, you know, with with the systems we've built online, you know, we're huge fans of, of the the technology and everything. And I, I love what you guys are doing. I love how you're not only you know building some you know educational resources and things like that out there, but building a, a like you said, a community of people um, that are going to be resources for some of these folks. And you know, I had Stephen Coprince on uh, a couple months ago. Uh, he was a great guest. A lot of a lot of great wisdom there in the, in the legal yeah. realm. Uh, he's one of the folks that I. I you know, you referred me to. So um, it's one of those things where if people just use the resource, I think they can get a whole lot out of it. And, uh, you know, use you guys, as, you know, not just the tool, but you guys as a resource, because um, you guys are connected with a lot of folks. And I just I really appreciate anytime somebody has a technology or they're doing similar things in the space, coming on our show, you know, we'll, we reciprocate and do different things. But it just shows for our listeners, it shows a maturity in the marketplace when you have people who on the surface could be competitors coming together to talk about things like we're talking about today because we know we can help each other. You know, I, I can lift up you guys, you can lift me up and we can work at this together and, and help other people. So thank you guys for, for coming on and doing this. I, I love what you guys are doing. I think you have a great company and, um, 
it's just it's just a really exciting time to be in this space. So I just I want, I want to say that up front. So yeah, thank you, thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. So today we're going to be talking about a really neat topic that uh, I actually don't think we've ever talked about this before on the podcast, and we're we're like a half a year in, and I don't think we've we've touched on this one before. And uh, you know, the the topic you sent me over was how to really find government market opportunities, and I think it's a topic that you know when you're whether you're new to the space, whether you've been in it a while. I think everybody has some level of frustration in finding new opportunities. And so I think it'll be a really good discussion for people to hear and, uh, and hopefully some really great wisdom on, uh, on new ways that they can find market opportunities. So, so why don't I let you kick it off and let you explain to our listeners what you mean by how to really find government market opportunities. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, to best ex- explain this concept, let's just, uh, for the purposes of today now, government market opportunities could also incorporate state and local, but we're going to just kind of focus on the federal government because it's kind of typically the one largest agency that has the same process applied across the acquisition of goods and services. Um, so what I mean by, you know, how to really find uh, government market opportunities is is the fact that uh, you know, when the agency goes out there to buy products and services, uh, they buy through kind of like a tiered system. And kind of to explain this, we have a course on Govology called Prospecting for Government Market Opportunities. And in that course, I show there a multi-level pyramid, which I call that the acquisition pyramid. So what happens is that when new businesses enter the marketplace and they start looking for opportunities basically what they're told by the government is to just watch fbo because that's where they're going to find the opportunities uh and they enter that bottom level of the acquisition pyramid which uh, we call the open market however what many businesses fail to understand is that in most cases the government procures from a top-down approach in that acquisition pyramid in the open market level is typically the last place where they will go to procure most of the recurring buys for goods, services, and construction projects, uh, because they were they're, they're going to look first to those established contracts or their established inventories that they have uh, prior to going out to the open market, and these are the contract vehicles that are found in the higher levels of the pyramid, and, and businesses really have to work to get themselves positioned in those upper levels if they want to see all of those opportunities. So basically, when the government uh, does uh, go out to the open market, the other thing is that if the procurement is less than $25,000, they're not required to publish those to FBO because what is FBO? Uh, FedBizOps.gov, but it is the uh, single point of entry uh, for the government for open market opportunities less than, I'm sorry, greater than $25,000. So the two operative words there is they're in the open market and that they're greater than $25,000. But what we do know is that it's for these two reasons primarily that many businesses, regardless of whether you're a small business or a large business getting started and you're just not understanding that big picture, you're probably not seeing about 80 to 90% of the total opportunities that are happening out there because they're either procured through maybe an existing contract vehicle or they're under that $25,000 threshold. And you, with that said, I'm also cautious to make a, a blanket statement that that's an 80 to 90% uh, 
ratio, uh, but it's pretty accurate across the board. But it does change uh, dependent upon what the procuring agency, uh, who it is, and specifically what they are purchasing. Yeah, no, I, I think that's, you know, really, really good points there because, uh, again, most people, when they get into contracting, the first thing they're taught is go get on FBO and just start sifting through the open market stuff. And I think that's where, uh, especially if you have even a little bit of success on the front end, you will stay there for the majority of your, you know, time in this space because, hey, I had some success. Maybe I'm just not doing it right if, you know, if things start to slump or maybe I need to change my strategy and things like that. They don't realize that there's this whole pyramid structure with other levels that they can go after. So why don't, why don't you take some time here? Because uh, I think it would be really cool for our listeners to hear what the other levels are in this acquisition pyramid. And maybe you can even talk more about where agencies look first before soliciting on the open market. You kind of touched on that, but maybe you can take those two uh, a little deeper for us. Absolutely. So basically, uh, in the levels that I talk about in the acquisition pyramid, typically derive from the federal acquisition regulations part eight of the federal acquisition regulations so basically it says that you know for a contracting officer you know before you go out and you know go to the open market first you know go and see if you can buy this through an existing inventory do we have it in stock already uh, or do we have it on an existing contract vehicle and these are typically the agency specific vehicles um, these go by many names and acronyms uh, the most common is it's known as the IDIQ contract. This stands for indefinite delivery, indefinite quantity. And simply put, this is the government essentially saying that we know we're going to have a recurring demand for certain goods, services, or construction projects over the next five years, but we don't know exactly how much we're going to need or when we're going to need them. But what we're going to do is we're going to put these contract vehicles in place and they could have m maybe one vendor or it could have multiple vendors uh, that the government uh, brings into a pool of contracts, uh, contractors. And then once that uh, competition is closed, then for the next five years, if it's all, oftentimes these are over a five-year period, what we call a, a multi-year contract vehicle, also a multiple award contract vehicle if there's multiple vendors, but they're going to go to that pool of contractors or maybe the one contractor over the next five years to procure the goods and services that they're going to be looking for. Um, so that's why it's important to kind of understand uh, is it at the agency specific level, do they already have a contract vehicle in place? So when the agencies don't have an agency-specific contracting vehicle in place at that top level, and then they work their way down, there's also a little level there for special programs, uh, Unicor, uh, that's formerly known as Federal Prison Industries, uh, Ability One, uh, some of those uh, special organizations that employ people with disabilities. They have special preferences in the hierarchy of things. We're not going to talk a lot about that uh, here. But the next place that will go below that is they're going to kind of look at what we call uh, government-wide contract vehicles. Now, the one that many people hear about the most is the General Services Administration's federal supply schedules. And the way that this works is that uh, GSA contracts with multiple suppliers for all types of goods and services. And in the case that the agency doesn't have their own specific contract vehicle, to procure goods and services from 
uh, with vendors that are already under contract with their agency, they can look to procure the goods and services they require from contractors who have gone through the process of, uh, you know, submitting a proposal to GSA and getting their, you know, firm listed as one of the people that could provide the good or service that they're looking for. And what makes these GSA contract vehicles or these government-wide uh, contract vehicles uh, different than agency-specific contracts is that many agencies can purchase from the GSA contracts, whereas with agency-specific, it might be just that one agency procuring there. So a lot of agencies can come in and piggyback uh, off of those uh, government-wide acquisition contracts, hence the name. Also, rather than only uh, posting the opportunity every five years, which, by the way, uh, most of those IDIQ contracts, the agency specific, uh, every five years, uh, you're going to see those show up on, on FBO. They'll go out eventually to the open market. Uh, but you might have 500 opportunities within that five-year period that will never hit FBO. And that's what we mean by trying to kind of see all opportunities at all levels of the pyramid. But the other thing that's different about the GSA schedules in particular is that uh, they're typically always open on FBO.gov for contractors who want to position themselves in the GSA federal supply schedules. So if you decide that you do the market research, you look at GSA and that looks like a contract vehicle that you feel that you could sell through, you could go to FBO, find the solicitation, uh, put it in a proposal and get your, your company positioned in that kind of next tier up. Now that said, GSA, it's important to know that GSA federal supply schedules are only one of many types of contract vehicles, although they're one of the largest ones, but they're only one of many types of contract vehicles that the agencies can use to piggyback off from this government-wide purchasing concept. So the market research piece becomes very important because there's a lot of businesses that don't do the market research and then they get into the GSA schedule only to find that that's not the actual vehicle that the government is purchasing through. To kind of give you an example of this, uh, when I was a contract specialist for the Department of Veterans Affairs, uh, if we didn't have our own agency specific uh, contract in place for IT, which we didn't a lot of times, uh, but rather than going to the GSA schedules, which does maintain many contracts for IT products and services, our agency looked to NASA soup contracts, which were set up in a similar way for acquisition purposes, but quite a bit different in the process that contractors would go through to position themselves, uh, you know, within the NASA soup contract vehicle. So, you know, that's just a sense of how, I, you know, even if the, basically if your target agency is the Department of Veterans Affairs and, and you get the call and, and somebody says, hey, you should get on GSA schedules if you want to sell to the VA, I would say to you to really spend some time to do the market research to make sure and to validate that that is where your target agency is, is buying from because you might put a lot of time and effort to only get there and realize that, hey, well, they're not buying through GSA, but they're buying through the NASA soup contract. Now, finally, after they go through those you know, top tiers of the pyramid, we get to the open market. So when the government has determined that they cannot make the procurement from their own contract vehicle and they cannot procure it from a government-wide contract vehicle like GSA, then they're going to go out and seek to publish that opportunity on FBO for competition. But then again, 
only if it's over $25,000. So you can kind of see how there's a lot that's happening here that not everybody's going to necessarily see just by looking at FBO. Yeah, no, there's there's so many opportunities out there that are not on FBO. And, you know, when when we look at that with a client, we'll often say, hey, not only, you know, is there, you know, existing contracts and all that type of stuff, there are people that don't know that they need your service. And then there's people that don't know your product or service exists to solve their problem. And so, you know, there's there's opportunities that you have to go out and create and cultivate relationships to get to the point where they even know to put out. Uh, you know, a solicitation on the product or service. And so, I mean, that's a, a, it's a smaller segment, but that is a small segment of the market. I like how you really touched on the, you know, the market research aspect, because we often actually have clients come to us and say, hey, could you help us, you know, with the GSA schedule process? And the first thing we say is, you know, okay, so I guess you've done the research on this already. And they say, well, yeah, you know, everybody that, you know, I know has said I need a GSA schedule. They're like, yeah, we only recommend that to maybe 15, 20% of our clients. Right. You know, because again, it's it's not that GSA schedule is bad for 80% of our clients. It's that given that specific client and their niche and where they really want to focus, it may not be the right vehicle because, you know, you, you gave the example of VA. And, you know, VA is a huge organization and the place that you're trying to sell to may not buy through the GSA schedule. They may buy through one of those contractors vehicles you're talking about. So you could waste a whole lot of time trying to get the schedule and money only to find out they're buying through the subcontractors or something else. And so it, it never fails that when people come to us, they've been told by a friend, by another contractor, you have to have GSA. And I think this is a just a, a cautionary tale for everyone listening. Just because you hear that doesn't mean that's what you should do. I mean, you really, like, like Carol said, you need to go do your market research and make sure this is the place that, you know, you want to invest some time in. So, you know, you, you mentioned uh, the, the $25,000 threshold a couple of times. For those that don't know, can you tell our listeners a little bit how agencies procure, or at least some of the ways they procure items under twenty five thousand? Yeah, absolutely. But uh, before I do that, I wanted to also mention, just kind of going back to that last point, is one of the things that I really appreciate about what you guys do there at RSM Federal, because I know that you know uh, when you talk to people, and, and one of the services that you provide is to help people get on that GSA contract. You know, but by talking to them and making sure that that's right for them before you, you know, engage in and going through the process with them, um, it's really uh, great to see that uh, there's companies out there that are doing that. Uh, because what we see a lot of times is that, you know, uh, typically once you're registered to do business with the federal government, you're going to start getting phone calls, uh, you know, from telemarketers. Mm -hmm. And these people are going to say anything that they want to you to hear to get you to basically give up your money to get onto the schedule. They that's don't right. care about the fact that you need to do the market research. And so, and that's how you can always tell whether or not the service provider you're working with really has integrity. If they basically ask you those questions, you know, it's like, you know, how do you know that this is the right move for you, you know? And, and right. I really appreciate that, that, you know, from you guys. And there's, very few people out there that basically you can really trust because there's so many what I call charlatan companies out yeah. there. But anyway, uh, 
to get back to your question about, you know, how do agencies typically procure items under $25,000? It's interesting because it's a, it's a bit of a hard question to answer there, but um, because even when the acquisition is under $25,000, the dollar value kind of within that range uh, d dictates the process that the buyer might go through uh, to procure that good or services or even who has the authority to make the buy. So for example, if the uh, requirement is under the micro purchase threshold, that acquisition is typically done uh, independently uh, through delegated authority at the department level uh, that has the actual demand for the, the product or the service that is being procured. You know, and, and this is typically done through a government purchase card. Uh, for acquisitions above the micro-purchase threshold up to $25,000, the requirement will go through uh, contracting. And the contractor office, the contracting officer typically in that range has wide discretion on how they are going to seek competition, um, who they will seek quotes from, and also where they will post the opportunity. So it's just really hard because at that point in time, everybody might be doing it in a right way. So, you know, my recommendation for businesses whose products uh, typically fall under the $25,000 uh, threshold is to get to know the buyers as well as the, the people, uh, the end users at the department level who would likely buy what you sell and let them know that you would be interested in providing a quote to their agency uh, on opportunities at that level. You know, also at this level, you know, having some of those marketing basics like the website, the capability statement and the optimized SBA profile uh, might help to increase your chances of receiving a call or an email from a federal buyer uh, for a quote. Because at that point, they're looking at the, a lot of times. And this is what I did, you know, when I was a contracting officer, you know, had a requirement under twenty five thousand dollars. I would go to the SBA database, typically kind of find vendors out there. All the, the contracting officer really has to do is, is get three quotes and call it a day at that point in time. Um, so basically, uh, that's kind of a process that, that you're going to want to use uh, to go there. Also, you know, don't forget, you can also ask if you're calling the, the contracting officer. You could even say, well, hey, Look, I know that you guys post uh, opportunities over $25,000 to FBO, but, you know, typically what we do uh, falls under that threshold. So can you kind of give me some ideas about where you post your opportunities under $25,000 and maybe where I can look to maybe, uh, you know, be in line to, to receive some of those uh, notices as well? Yeah, you know, I think that's a fantastic suggestion. And I, I think there's so many people that see you know, let's, let's say it's Fort Hood, they'll see somebody at Fort Hood post an opportunity and think, oh, well, it's over the amount that we would normally do. You know, we're, we're normally $15,000 in this particular product or service, and they just move on. And I think just having the courage to pick up the phone, call that person at Fort Hood, say, hey, you know, first thing out of your mouth, hey, I'm not calling about anything currently in acquisition, but I noticed this, you know, you know, how do you guys do stuff under these thresholds? I, I think... It's a question that people would think, well, you know, I'm trying to sell them something or what. No, you're trying to ask a question to figure out how they do business. And I've personally found we've we've done this for clients where we've called and asked those questions 
And the contracting officers are typically very thankful and they'll, hey, what do you guys do? Tell me about your company. Send me your capability statement. Um, you know, hey, have you talked to Bob over in department three? Have you talked to Sue in department number one? You know, they're they're usually very open to that kind of stuff. I mean, there's always going to be the guy or gal who no matter what you ask is going to say no, 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 and then try to hang up on you. I mean, there there is that person. But I've personally found most of the contracting officers I speak to very open to that conversation. Um, on the off chance I don't get a contracting officer that's open to that, I found the small business person on that base or you know agency, whatever it may be. You know, you go and speak to that small business person, and that person will usually be able to clue you in because I'll say, hey, you know, how does the agency you know procure stuff under twenty five thousand dollars? How do they do this where you guys are? And and they'll answer those questions for you. So I think just. Having the guts to pick up the phone and ask some of those questions you were talking about is a really big deal. And, and I hope if there's a, not that there's one takeaway, but if there's a there's a takeaway that I really want people to grasp, it is pick up the phone and call and ask some of these questions. Because, you know, Carol on here is giving you ideas of all different ways that these agencies procure your products and services. And a lot of them require research. And research usually means you have to speak to someone. You can't just Google everything. You can't just find it all on FPDS. Um, you've got to pick up the phone and make some phone calls uh, to, to get to the bottom of this. So I, I think that's a big deal. So I, I want to close up with one, with one more thing. Um, you know, you've talked about a lot of stuff here. Can you recommend a, a process or specific steps or some sort of system to kind of manage all this and maybe even uncover more opportunities that will be relevant to you other than, you know, just monitoring open market? Yes. Yeah. So, you know, first off, I do want to say that obviously you do want to monitor the open market. So how do you do that? Uh, obviously, you sign up on, on FBO. You can get an account there. If you go to the home page, you can also see that they have some videos there that's going to walk you through, you know, how to create an account on FBO.gov. Uh, also, you can create search agents. So you're going to get that e email uh, come to you. Uh, with when an opportunity kind of hits what you're looking for. I would also recommend that small businesses check in with their local procurement technical si assistance center, also known as a PTAC, uh, to help them, you know, if they're not already registered, to register to do business with the government. And then to also make sure that they have an accurate and optimized SAM and SBA profile. Because again, if you recall, I just talked about a lot of times in that under $25,000 opportunities, I would go to uh, what we call the uh, ProNet or the SBA database. Uh, that's a dsbs.sba.gov. That's a public uh, place where anybody can go to search. But I also, I would go to that a lot of times to find my three quotes. And what happens is that not everybody fills out their profile and optimizes that. So that if your profile is blank there, um, you're probably not going to get a call to, to provide a quote, you know, so your PTAC can help you out with that. Uh, I would also recommend that they get set up with PTAC bid matching services. Now, this is a great way to find those open market opportunities uh, over $25,000 when they do get posted. Uh, and additionally, uh, you can ask your PTAC uh, for a list of sites searched so that you can determine uh, what uh, local agencies they search as well, because you know, that's one of the benefit of the, the 
bid lead services that they'll search FBO, but they'll also look at city, state, locals, counties, ports, school districts, and the geographic service areas. And uh, but you also want to understand that you know if your city or state that you want to do business with may not be getting picked up, you may need to go and separately register to get the leads from that site. Uh, so. Uh, for those of you who don't know what a PTAC is, uh, this is a program that's available through the uh, Department of Defense and it's funded in a cooperative agreement between the DOD and, and usually through local nonprofits or universities throughout the country. Every state has a PTAC uh, and most of those uh, services offered are provided at no cost to small businesses and it's a great starting point. Um, and so if you wanted to check out a PTAC, you could just Google AppTAC and you'll find uh, the website and you'll see a map there you can click on and find a PTAC in your area and that's spelled A-P-T-A-C. So Google AppTAC, you'll find a PTAC. Second, uh, I would recommend that small businesses interested in a more in-depth understanding, maybe take a look at our course on Govology, which can also be found by Googling prospecting for government market opportunities and our course should come up as the the first result also uh, for people that may be already working with PTAX they might be able to get freer or discounted access to that course so you can ask your local PTAC about accessing uh, that particular course or just go directly uh, to the course uh, through uh, the a Google search uh, next I would recommend to create and seek guidance from a government market mastermind network. Now this concept here is to have two or more advisors that you can go to when, when you need them to help you in, in kind of navigating uh, through this whole process and helping you succeed in the government marketplace. So one of those advisors could be your local PTAC counselor, which would be a, a great place to begin. But I also recommend having other counselors on your team as well in this government market mastermind. So you might have uh, a legal advisor on your team uh, when it comes to legal issues. You might also engage in uh, uh, with a government market uh, coach or a consultant that specializes in the government marketplace. And Michael, I know you guys have a great program at RSM Federal in this regard. And I know that you and Josh, you know, are and have been and are continuing to be great advisors to uh, many businesses out there, uh, you know, via your federal access program. And I really, you know, believe in this concept of, of this government market mastermind network. And fourth, I, I highly recommend spending some time, again, doing the proper market research. And what I mean by this is by either taking a course or tap into your mastermind network for assistance in analyzing the historical government spend because this will not only help you understand who your top target agencies might be but also who the top prime contractors are out there that you might want to work with that are already well positioned in those higher levels of the acquisition pyramid and basically once you get registered with them you know they can pass along those opportunities to you and basically, uh, so once you've identified your target agencies, again, start from the top down, ask them what you need to receive notices of opportunities. But again, don't underestimate the benefits of being a subcontractor and going through the process of pre-qualifying yourself with those prime contractors that are already positioned to do business with the agencies that you want to do business with. 
So after going through this process, you know, businesses should be well positioned to receive both opportunities that are typically posted to the general public via FBO.gov or other websites as they apply, as well as to position themselves to be invited to participate in opportunities that are not generally posted to the public, but through other contractors. Yeah, no, I, I think all those suggestions were just spot on. And I, I love the concept. Uh, like you said, I know you're big on, you know, having mentors and that sort of thing. I just I love the concept of, of having mentors in this area. And it goes back to something I said earlier. You know, when you're talking to people, ask questions about this stuff. You know, when you're talking to contracting officers, when you're talking to legal people, um, whoever it is, when you're out at conferences, to your, to your PTAC folks, you know, just be able to. Uh, to ask questions, hey, I'm looking for a mentor who does this or that or is in this area, whether it's a free or paid mentor, you know, that's that's not really the point here. But but just being able to ask questions until you find the right mentors, that's a really big deal. You know, most people learn things through other people. And so if, if you want to learn how to achieve success in this market, it's great to talk to somebody who already has not only expertise, but success in the market. And so that is something I highly, highly, highly encourage everybody listening in here. Seek out those mentors, um, seek out people who have had success and that can guide you in replicating that for yourself. So, you know, why recreate the wheel, right? Um, you know, it, it doesn't make any sense when you can talk to somebody, even if you've got to pay them to do it. Um, it makes way more sense to do that than, you know, I always hear, you know, education is expensive. Well, ignorance is more expensive, right? So, you know, like it, it may cost some money to get somebody to mentor you, but it costs a whole lot of money to find this stuff out on your own. So I love the the mentor suggestion and, and everything else you talked about today, Carol. So I, I, I thank you for coming on. I think it has been really beneficial for folks. Um, it, I hope that if you're listening to this one, you didn't check out the last one, go check out the last podcast from Carol. There's a lot of great wisdom on that too. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for having me. And, uh, you know, the last thing I'll say to, to your last point is that I, I totally agree with you. And I feel that if people invest in their education and they invest in the right mentors, uh, you know, they're going to be saving thousands of dollars because I've seen people just, you know, spin their wheels and throw money, away by, by not really having those resources and leveraging them. Yeah. And, you know, and sometimes, honestly, it's the difference between staying in business and going out of business. So, Absolutely. I mean, that, that, that may be what happens. So, so thanks again. I also want to thank all of our listeners for joining us today on this episode. Remember, you can find every episode on iTunes. Just look for Game Changers for Government Contractors and subscribe to the feed to make sure you get every episode. You can also learn more about each of our guests by visiting the official Game Changers website at rsmfederal.com forward slash Game Changers. We'll have links to their website, social media, and contact information. And last but not least, please visit our sponsor for today's episode, the Federal Access Program at rsmfederal.com forward slash FA for more information on how you can win more government contracts. Thanks for listening to Game Changers for Government Contractors. For a full list of episodes and other resources, be sure and check us out on the web at www.rsmfederal.com slash Game Changers.